Uh, turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. We might not survive this passage today. How about that? Good thing we know Jesus because we might not survive this passage. I, I want to talk to you today about the topic called transformation. Transformation. It's a big uh, NGO world, uh, word. Some of you are in NGO work. It's all about transformation. We want to see change. We want to see change. We want to see people change. Let me say this about transformation. Physically and spiritually, none of us, none of us, uh, zero, zero plus zero is zero. None of us in here were born mature. Can you imagine me at six foot four, 263 and a half coming out of my mother's womb? I wasn't born this size. All right, praise God for that. So we're born as babies, and our parents nurture us and nurture us, and physically speaking, we grow physically, we grow intellectually, and the same thing happens spiritually. Let me just say it again to everybody in the room, including the preacher, is that we are not born spiritually mature, is that we are in the process of development for the Lord to become truly seen in us, all right? So you're here at church today not to learn a, some, some ideas. You're here at church today so that the Holy Spirit of God might speak into your life in the areas that you need to grow in so that you might become a more effective disciple for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what He wants to do. So you're not here today to check the box that I went to church. You're here today to say, Lord, expose me. Bring to the surface those areas of my life that are not yet so that, Lord, through your power and your spirit, I may become. That's transformation. So transformation is not changing somebody's economic status. Uh, transformation is not changing somebody's geographical locations. Transformation is much more than that. Transformation is that where heaven becomes alive in my life. That's transformation. See, we're the only religion, we're the only faith, we're the only movement that believe, be, believes that our God can change us. That's what we believe, that we can become like our God. That's what we believe. And so before we get into this passage right now, I just want you maybe to write down on a sheet of paper, anytime you come to church, you need a notebook, you need a notebook. Some of my greatest thoughts that I've ever thought came in church God has met with me so much in church, and so you need to come to church on Sunday mornings with a notepad that you fill up because God wants to speak to you, and He wants to change you. Uh, can we look at this picture? Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but this is the Surfside Condominium Complex in Florida. Surfside Condominium Complex in Florida. Some of you maybe two, three years ago maybe you saw this on the news, CNN kind of a thing. Uh, I can't tell you. It was a multi-layered condominium. And the engineer came four years prior to its collapse, and the engineer came and they inspected the building, and here's what the engineer said, that this building has strategic faults in its foundation. That as I've looked at this condominium, its, its structure, its physical you know, skeleton, that this building has serious faults, and if they're not corrected over time, they're going to what? collapse. And sure enough, four years later, the building collapsed, including a hundred people plus that lost their life over a condition that could have improved. Huh. Did you hear that today? 
They identified the issues. They said, here are the problems. And the owner did nothing. Probably it was a financial issue. Probably he didn't want to put the money into it to repair it. And four years later, the onus of the responsibility is on the condominium owner because he knew what needed to change and did nothing about it. Pastor, what does that have to do with us today? Because in my life and in your life, there are cracks that are there. In my life and in your life, there are serious cracks that are there. And I never graduate from crackdom. I never graduate from the reality that in my life there will always be fissures that are there that if they are not attended to over time, they will bring about what? A collapse. True or false? Uh, 2% answered. True or false? If you ever think you're secure in your marriage, if you ever think you're secure in your family, if you ever think you're secure, pay attention to those things because we have an enemy that is constantly coming after us trying to bring our foundation down. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Wow, where is this passage? This passage is the last preaching unit of Jesus' most famous message. 20 different thought topics. Right at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus had his disciples, much like this today. Jesus gathered his disciples together, and here was the issue. Jesus wanted each of those disciples to know the distinctiveness of Christianity. Are you with me? Uh, they are coming out of Judaism, and they're moving from Judaism to what? To a whole new movement that is built around Jesus. And Jesus wants his disciples to know the distinctiveness of the movement that he's doing. So as he does this teaching 20 different times in these passages, and I would encourage you to read it. It will take you about 27 minutes. For those of you that don't read well, it will take you 31 minutes, all right? It's not a long sermon, but the impact of it is amazing. And there's a word there that's repeated 20 times. And it's the word what? It's the word but. It's this little tiny, uh, little, tiny word that carries a lot of freight with it. And the way that Jesus teaches is he's always teaching through contrast. You have heard that it was said, you have heard that it was said that a man should not commit adultery. What's the word? But I say, anyone that looks lustfully at a wife, at a, at a woman, has already committed adultery in his heart. You have heard me say, do not commit murder. But I say, anybody that gets angry at his brother has committed murder in his heart. Do you see what Jesus is doing? I mean, he was a master teacher, a master teacher, because he was always comparing the known with the unknown, and he wanted his disciples to know that the movement that he was leading is an unbelievably unique movement. And here, let me just summarize. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What's the remainder? And love your neighbor as yourself. And in these 20 thought units, the master preacher is doing what? He is contrasting them and showing them the uniqueness of Christianity which moves from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Praise God that you're in church today. But let me just say this to you. Church is not going to make you any different than you are right now. Praise God that you're faithful in church attendance. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing that you're a faithful church attender. But coming in to do this church does not change your heart. An encounter with Jesus Christ and His Spirit is what changes you. And so now we have the last thought unit. This is the summary statement. Jesus is, is landing the plane, so to speak. And hear what he says in verse 24. He says what? Therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, what are you supposed to ask? 
What is the therefore? Therefore. And the therefore is there because Jesus is bringing to what? Jesus is bringing to conclusion everything that he has talked about. Oh, this is good. And here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Did I miss something? Did Did I miss something? For 45 years of my life, I missed something in this passage. For 45 years of my life, I came from a theological tradition where it was all about knowledge. He doesn't say, anyone hears these words of mine. He says, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine, what? And, and what? Puts them into practice. That person will be considered a wise man. And look at what the passage says. The rains come, come on, come on. The streams rise, come on. The challenges, come on, winds. And they beat against the house, and they beat against the house, and they beat against the house. Yet, it does not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation upon the rock. What's the next word? What's the next word? The contrast word. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rains came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Can we pray this morning as we go into our sermon? That's what we call the introduction. Lord, help us. Lord, help us today. Each and every one of us has a cancer that dwells within us. And we can educate ourselves and we can improve ourselves, but the cancer does not leave the cancer of the heart. And Lord, I pray today that our victorious Savior would claim our hearts again. I pray, Lord, that you would move into those places that nobody else knows about us, that are broken and fragile and sensitive. And I pray that you would claim those places. God, I pray that you would make us strong. I pray that you would heal us. And God, I pray today that we might know that our victory is not in a better us, but our victory is in a better Christ. I pray that we would leave here knowing that worship is not about a building. It's not about a time slot, but worship is about the one that can do for us that we could never do ourselves. In your mighty name we pray, amen. If we had more time, we're doing communion and I've got nine minutes left. So would you please pray for the preacher? I need some prayer. I could go for a while on this as you've seen. But here's the question that I want you to wrestle with. What is your your understanding of transformation? I I don't know if you're like me, but I've had some some cracks that I have been entertaining for a long time in my life. I've been entertaining these cracks. I've been trying to patch them up. A little cement here, a little conference here, a little focus here. But but the cracks are still there. Let's just do a little bit of a journey just real quickly. Just real quickly. Let's go to chapter 5. You know, uh, these COVID years have been amazing, not just because of the pandemic. These COVID years, uh, at least for my country, my country is a different place than it was three years ago. This place called the United States, we are a fractured country. Our country is a very interesting place to call home right now. 
That which is abnormal has now become normal, and that which is normal has become abnormal. We have become a country where you cannot even talk about differences without what? Without people colliding together. We, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to agree with one another, and not only do we not know how to agree with one another, we don't know how to fight fairly. We're a country that is just fractured at the core. But even more than that, I'm fractured. Look at what, look at what chapter 543 says. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and, 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 and hate your enemy. There's that word again. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? What? I'm very comfortable loving, uh, hating my enemy. I'm very comfortable in that. I have three daughters, Morgan 25, Meredith 21, Madison 18. She started the year as the starting five on her basketball team, and dad was very proud. Dad was an athlete himself, an athlete, and so I was very proud of my daughter starting on the five. Going into the last 25% of the season, she moved from the starting five to the number six that came off the bench. Dad is a pastor. Dad is a missionary. You would not believe the thoughts that this man had about the coach. You would not believe the amount of enemy status that was brewing inside the volcano of my heart. I would come into a game, and my fingers are like this. It was like in worship today, but anyway. I, I would come into the game, and the whole time I was waiting, is when is he going to put her in? When is he going to put her in? When is he going to put her in? Two minutes to go in the first quarter. Two minutes to go in the second quarter. She's not in, that, that, she's not in yet. And the, and the internal coffee pot was brewing over this man. I had already worked through the end of the season discussion that I was going to have with him, and I'm a preacher. So it was a good argument that I was going to have with him. What's going on? What, what is going on with, with that level of intensity? Can you, can you flip the chapter now? Can you flip over to, flip over to chapter 7? Chapter 7, verse 1. Anybody in here struggle with comparison? I do. Pastors, we, we struggle with comparison all the time. You go to a pastor's conference and there's three questions you, at, at a pastor's conference. What's your name? Where are you from? Questions of information. What's the third question? Where are you from? What's your name? Third question, how big is your church? And the third question is not a question of information. The third question is what? A question of identity. Uh, should I listen to you or should I not listen to you? As we talk, should I, should I stay long with you or could I, should I go find somebody else that will improve my status? And so in chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Because see, somebody with a comparison heart, what they're doing all the time is this. I am comparing myself to you. I'm constantly looking for little faults in you that I can find in you so that they will elevate myself. You see how that works? See, for many of you in here, you have mastered the big sins but the Lord is not concerned with you mastering the big sins. The Lord is concerned with mastering our hearts. Amen for that? And so that the Lord is going to bring his x-ray into our hearts. Why? Why? For punishment? Absolutely not. So that we might become the people that are joyful, that flow out of the overflow of what Christ is doing in our life. Do you have it yet? Do you have a... 
Do you have a fracture in your foundation that you're aware of yet? Hopefully by now, the Holy Spirit of God has put something on your heart right now. Because I want you to see what Jesus says about transformation. If you have your notebooks, would you write this in your notebooks today? Jesus' method of discipleship, is the, excuse me, method of, of transformation is this, is that information plus application equals transformation. Information, biblical information, plus practical application and obedience equals transformation. Information plus application equals transformation. Let me just give you a very simple way to begin to bring change in your life. And understand this, Jesus is radically concerned with our ability to bring transformation because he knows that without transformation, I'm going to be in a church and I'm going to walk by somebody in my church that I have an issue with and I'm going to walk by them and act like they don't even exist and that becomes normal. What? How can two people that are leading ministries in the church have so much anger and bitterness towards one another that they can pass each other in a hallway five feet, six feet apart from one another and not even look at that person as if they don't even exist? Humanity has completely ruined them. I was talking to my Uber driver on the way to church today, and I was giving him my sermon. You should try that sometime. He's driving, and I'm, I'm in the back uh, trying out my thesis statement on Ahmad. I said, here's my deal. And so I laid it out to him, and I said, what has happened in this country called Ethiopia? And he says, we have lost our heart. We've lost our heart, and we need help finding it again. I said, I'm going to quote you today. So I just quoted Ahmad, all right? I don't know his license plate, but you might have him someday. What a great, great point. We've lost our heart. All right, three, three ABCs I want to give you in this particular area. Anybody, anybody find this a relevant topic in their life right now just to show of hands? Maybe a little bit higher? Just, has anybody found this to be a relevant topic or is it just the preacher's issue? These issues are alive. All right, I'm going to give you just a practical method. The first thing I want to say to you is this, is that the Lord has given us a thing called feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions. God has given us our emotions. Our emotions are like a barometer that, 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 that reveal to us what is going on inside of us, okay? So that when something happens to us, there is an emotion that is produced inside of us, a feeling that is produced inside of us. And many times in the local church, we throw somebody a verse and just say, hey, get over it, and there's no change that comes from that. So whatever your issue is, if it's anger, if it's bitterness, if it's unforgiveness, if, if it's hate, if it's comparison, let me give you a three-step formula and then we're going to go to communion for the Lord to heal us from the inside out. The A stands for this. Admit your feelings to God. Admit your feelings to God. God, I've seen how hard my daughter's worked. I've seen her attitude for the last three years in high school. Lord, I've seen her, that every girl that comes out of the game, she puts a cup of water in, her, in their face. Lord, I've seen her be a servant. Isn't it, isn't it her time now? Isn't it her time now? Could not the Christian coach relate to her in a way that honored for who she is? He said some things to her that he did not follow up with, and it hurt her at the core. Do you see what's coming out of me? Very normal and very natural feelings. But I see, I want to say this today, the greatness of our Savior is He does not leave us at our feelings. Amen for that? He does not leave us there. 
First service, there was a lady that came up afterwards and she said, for the first time in 23 years, I've got victory today in the area of bitterness. I've been bitter in my heart for 23 years and today God brought me to healing. He brought me to freedom. Because see, many of us in here, our idea of normal living is that our feelings dictate how we live. And that's not it. They are God-given feelings. They are God-given emotions that we then, the B says this, believe what Jesus says about your situation. Believe what Jesus says about my situation. All right, Lord, you know my feelings. You know my anger. You know what I'm doing inside right now. But I believe, Jesus, that you're bigger than that. And you have a bigger story in my daughter's life than being on the starting five. When she was 13 years old, she knew what she wanted to do with her life. At 13 years of age, she knew that she wanted to be a missionary in Turkey. How she got there, I don't even know. But at 13 years of age, she knew that she wanted to be a missionary in Turkey. Right now, Turkey is 99.9% Islam. Right now in Turkey, the capital city of Ankara right now has become an epicenter of refugees that are spilling over from a place called Syria and a place called Iraq. Don't you think, don't you think that there might be a 13-year-old girl that is coming, from a refu- for, coming as a refugee into Turkey who has had some situations and evil done to her over time that has been a callous to her that maybe your daughter, I need to grow her through some of those things that she's learning on the court. Ernie, do not let that situation triumph over what I'm doing in your daughter's life. I'm bigger than her being on the starting five. And as much as you would like that, I have a plan for your daughter in the future that is much bigger than a 32-minute basketball game. Amen? And when you begin to seek Jesus on it, he begins to penetrate your feelings with truth. A, admit, B, believe, C, choose, choose. Today, God, through the power of your spirit, I will choose to love. See, here's the interesting thing about Jesus' view of transformation. Everyone who hears these words of mine, information, and puts them into practice, action, will be be like a wise man. When we choose to be obedient, what happens is love is activated in our life. Oh, he's my enemy, he's my enemy, I can't get close to them, I can't get close to her, I've been married for 25 years, that individual continues to hurt me, I will pull a wall over my heart, I will pull a wall over my heart, I will be in the marriage physically while I will be absent emotionally, and that's not where God puts you. God puts you to be fully alive in that place, but, 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 but I can't, but I can't, but I can't, yes you can. And when you begin to love a difficult spouse, what begins to happen is your love begins to change you first and then your spouse. No, 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 I can't do that. No, 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 that's too hard. You're probably right. But through the power of Jesus, he will give you the love to be able to love the unlovable. And when you step out and love the unlovable, what happens? They change and and you change. Amen for that? Church, can I say this to you today? That's the gospel. That is the gospel. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we follow the gospel. The gospel. He left heaven, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He came to earth. Can you imagine? He took on the physical smell of us. 
And not only did he take on becoming a man, but Philippians 2 says this, he did it even a notch below. He took on our humanity, and he also took on what? Our sins, and he went to the cross to die for us so that we might in this room today be transformed people because of what Christ can do for us. Because of what Christ can do. Amen. Amen. Now, if we had more time, what we would do is I would break you up in groups of two and three, and you would share your fractured story. I don't even know if we can do that with masks and COVID and everything else. But I want to do it one step further. Uh, let me just read Psalms 139. And then Steve is going to lead us into the presence of the one that can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Here's what Psalm 139, 27, or 23 and 24 says. As we move into communion, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do we have any Swahili speakers in the house today? Any Swahili speakers just to show of hands? In Swahili uh, church life, they have a song called Weiwei Watosha. Weiwei Watosha. And Weiwei Watosha means he is sufficient. Can we say Weiwei Watosha out loud today? Weiwei Watosha. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. A few things to keep in mind as we go to communion today. Jesus is radically in love with you. Radically in love with you. He is so radically in love with you that he will not leave you at a place of comfortability. Jesus is so radically in love with you that he doesn't want your foundation just to remain what? Fractured. He loves us so much that he wants to do what? He wants to repair that foundation. How about that? We have a Savior that knows you, that loves us, and desires to heal us. So as I pray for us right now, I pray that you would be open to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I've got a nephew by the name of Logan Fry, and Logan Fry is into a sport called CrossFit. Anybody know CrossFit? Let me just say this. They came up with CrossFit for my cousin Logan, or my nephew Logan. The dude is a beast. He's a beast. And one thing I've learned from the beast Logan is this, is that no pain, no gain. His practices every single day are relentless. But when he shows up for a competition, he has put in his sweat and he has put in his time and it is game on. We had a, a week this week with about 40 African leaders and one of our guys from Ghana, a dangerous preacher, he said enough is enough. Got some issues in our life that we've been flirting with for a long time, and you're starting to feel the sounds of that building that collapsed. Enough is enough. Today is the day that we open up our heart and we let the surgeon do his work. Surgeon, do your work. Fix what's unfixable, heal what's been broken. God, restore us so that we might live the life that God has called us to live. Amen. Bow your heads with me. God, it would be just like you right now to say a few things to us. 
It would be just like you to say a few things to all of us right now. Number one, God, the, the thing that you should say to us right now is, I'm not put off by our sin and brokenness. It's the uniqueness of Christianity that we do not believe in shame. Shame puts your head down. Shame makes you hide. Shame makes you lie. You are not a God of shame. And so therefore, God, the broken areas of our life are not areas to hide. The broken areas of our life are the places, God, where the gospel lives. And that's the place that you want to enter into. So for all of us today, communion is not about shame. Communion is about the love of Jesus Christ for the broken areas of our life. Number two, for those of you that do not know Jesus Christ, when you believe in Jesus, the power of God is released in your life. So if you don't know Jesus, you do not have the power of God in your life to address the issues that God wants to bring. And so maybe some of you here today have never trusted in the great one. There might be some of you that maybe know him religiously, but you have never bought into the one that can change your present and can change your future and can change your destiny. Because when God is working in you, you now have a resource and a capability that you never had before. And if that's you here today, just let me know this. Jesus handles you supremely. He took everything that you have that's wrong and bad and detrimental, and he says, that's my stuff. And he put that on himself and died over that so that we might be released. If you don't know Jesus today, you come to Jesus not because of your perfection. You come to Jesus because of your imperfection. Religion, you come to Jesus in your perfection. In Christianity, you come to Jesus in your imperfection. And so, Lord, for those that might be here today that have never tasted of the one that conquers over their heart, Lord, I pray that you would open them up to a way, God, to just receive from what you've done. Uh, John says it this way, lavished. I love that word, lavished. It's a buffet word. You've lavished us. And so, God, as we take communion today, would you just remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness. In your mighty name we pray, amen.